While San Antonians and people across the country masked up and spaced out to avoid coronavirus, teams across industries raced to find a way to prevent it. A vaccine that would be effective enough to achieve herd immunity could bring hope of most importantly, saving lives, plus preventing even mild illness, putting people back to work and getting the economy moving again. We have COVID-19. We're also planning for COVID-20, COVID-21. The vaccine is expected to save a lot of lives and that is going to be a very important game changer. You're going to see medicine advance at speeds that we never thought possible. I'm Erica Zuko, and this is Commerce Street, a business podcast from Ken's Five. In this episode, we feature a center here in Texas focused on producing coronavirus vaccines. And in the process, it's creating jobs in manufacturing and engineering. Then we're exploring the impact vaccines could have on the economy and some of the industries hardest hit by the pandemic. First, the Texas A&M University System's Center for Innovation and Advanced Development and Manufacturing. It's a big name for a big job. The federal government reserved the center to mass produce a coronavirus vaccine under an order supporting Operation Warp Speed. Dr. W.J. Treat, the center's chief manufacturing officer and principal investigator, talked about how the center is involved and how another pandemic led to its creation. Essentially, this program was established back in 2012 when we had the 2009 pandemic. The the United States government and and legislatures recognized that there was insufficient manufacturing capability in the United States. So the Seattle's came up. There were three of them to begin with. Texas A&M, which is a nonprofit, obviously, Novartis, which is a company, and Emergent Biosolutions, which is another company. So there were three of them together. And the government put money in to build infrastructure within the United States to be able to manufacture vaccines in the need of a pandemic. So this facility here was essentially completed and built out around 2017. So it's been relatively short time that it's been operational. Mm -hmm. It's one of the potentially largest ones in the United States for manufacturing vaccines. And it was designed originally around the flu pandemic. And the difference was, is most people know about flu and they know because flu is produced in egg-based technologies and eggs from chickens. Okay. This is, this, this was a way to try to create a new technology in what's called cell culture based manufacturing. And the best way I can explain it to the layperson that is interested in either craft beers or craft hard alcohol is you go into some of these places, you see these giant stainless steel or copper tanks in there. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the really the difference between the craft breweries or the microbreweries for, for vodka and things like that is we do the same thing. We have a big tank, but instead of producing a product with alcohol and flavor in it, we produce a protein or a virus that can be put into the human body for therapeutic applications. And this contract was to do two things. It was to accelerate the build out of the Fuji facility to make it ready for the vaccines. Mm-hmm. And it was to reserve manufacturing capacity in Fuji. Okay, that makes sense. And that is still located on site. That's still in, that's still in College Station. Perfect. And then there was another contract between the Department of Defense, BARDA, and for example, Novavax, which is being produced in this facility. And then Novavax is, is going through and paying Fuji to actually manufacture the product after we paid to reserve capacity. 
So half of it comes from our money, half of it comes from the other money to actually make a lot of material here. So you kind of explained this when you gave us the analogy of like craft brewing. Sure. When people hear manufacture a vaccine, when I think of manufacturing, I think of like putting together tools. I don't think of like mixing. So when you're talking about manufacturing a vaccine, you're talking about actually constructing since you're using like cells, the vaccine. So the, the actual construct that is used to make the material was, has already been done by Novavax. That was way, way back when they were doing R&D research and development activities. Mm -hmm. They provided the cell line and what's called the clone that goes into that that actually produces the product. But in our case, it might be instructive also to inform your audience that we actually produce the antigen here. And what I mean by that is a vaccine has two parts to it. It has what's called the antigen, which is part of what causes the immune response in the body. And it has what's called an adjuvant. And those two are mixed together. And that creates the final vaccine. Here, we're only producing the antigen. Then this bulk material gets shipped out to another company that then mixes it with the adjuvant and then fills it into the final vials. Like you've seen on the news with, with the COVID, you've seen the little syringes, or you've seen the vials. You know, we don't make those here, although we could, but we just make the bulk material that then gets mixed. And for people to understand the, the antigen, which people won't understand necessarily, but the sting you get sometimes from vaccines, if you've had a tetanus shot and it stings when it goes in, that's the adjuvant portion of the vaccine. And those two go together to create what's called an immune response, antibodies in your body. And so you have to create a certain amount of those to become protective. It's just not enough to create an antibody pool in your body. It has to be of sufficient level to actually clear your system of viruses. And, and those are all determined by the FDA and CDC and, and other technical people as to what the right immune response is for those. And I would imagine in a pandemic, and, and I know this was part of the reasoning for cre creating facilities like yours, um, you need a lot of vaccine fast. You need it yes. quickly. So that concept of accelerating the production. I know one of your roles is just to be able to help manufacture more, but what other factors go into acceleration? Is there also research that has been going on? I mean, is there work in that vein as well? There's a, there's a lot of activities. I mean, I'm, I'm 65. I've, I've been in the industry now 35 years. Uh, I came to A&M almost five years ago after retiring from industry to, to head up the program here uh, based using my industrial experience in this. But basically, it starts way, way back. But if you even went back 20 years ago, and you're a youngster, relatively speaking, okay? Uh, you. So you go back 20 years ago, the things we can do today with identifying the target site for the most immunological response for the virus, the, the COVID virus, uh, being able to generate the cell lines to produce it, then the genetic construct that goes in that actually makes the antigen to be used are so far superior to they were 20 years ago in identifying and manufacturing these things. Uh, also, I think a lot of credit, you know, the federal government gets picked on an awful lot for, for not doing things right. But I think Operation Warp Speed was something that was incredibly beneficial. And I've told people that 
we should probably use that to model how we do biologics in the future because we basically taken a process that might have taken a year, year and a half to build out a facility, might have taken three or four years to go through all the clinical trials, and that's basically being compressed into a 12 to 18-month process, um, scaling these things up. And there's some things we're doing, but the one thing I know here, uh, working with, with our partner Fuji, is we're not taking manufacturing risks. We know that the product that comes out of this facility will be manufactured appropriately according to CGMP, that's good manufacturing processes, will, will be done appropriately. Whether or not it performs in clinical trials appropriately, that's that's beyond our control. But we know we've developed a manufacturing process here that's going to make consistent, reliable product. And I think that's important for people to know. We've heard a lot about the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and there are a lot of other candidates. Yes. Um, dependent on which end up getting approved by the FDA, um, will the facility and college station be involved pretty much no matter who gets approved? Like basically the, it'll, it doesn't matter if it's Novavax or somebody else. Yeah, it, it, it does make a difference in the technology. Okay. We're equipped to make things which called cell-based here. They're made in big giant tanks that are cell-based. The Pfizer and Moderna products are, are what are essentially a small molecule that's synthesized okay. to produce. So it doesn't require cells to grow it in to, to produce it from that step. So it, it requires an entirely different manufacturing process than what we have here in that area. So, and, and this facility was never designed to do that kind of activity. It was designed specifically to move from egg-based activity to cell-based activity in the future. Okay. And so if a different vaccine candidate that uses that technology is approved, then this facility would be used for that as well. We actually have one other company mm -hmm. that we're gearing up to come into the facility. Okay. And there's a third one that may be of interest, okay. uh, depending on how far the government goes along. Because we all believe that there's probably reasonably to assume multiple positives on goals, so to speak, for success. You know, the center also operates a workforce development program, I think yes, I read. And, yes. and I'd imagine students get kind of a view as well, being in College Station, of what's kind of going on. What kind of opportunities are available in this field? And, you know, for people that are listening to this in San Antonio, maybe they have students graduating from high school or something like that. I mean, what should I know about what's happening? Texas well, there's a couple of things. The workforce development program mm -hmm. was also part of the Seattle program. Uh, they're, they're a subcontractor to us. The idea was is that along with understanding that there was a shortage of manufacturing capacity, there was also a shortage of trained, skilled workers uh, to do this. This is not something you just pick up tomorrow and start, start doing. And so one of the challenges there was is how do we help, how do we augment the people in college to get some hands-on experience they might normally get and talking with people like me and others who've been out in industry and have done this before. And also part of it was really involved in helping the government or Department of Defense people coming out of the Department of Defense wanting to reposition themselves into other jobs is to getting them trained to, to, to be the first line to move into some of these jobs. There's not a problem finding an engineering firm to build a facility. That's not a problem. The problem is finding the people. And, and for example, out of A&M, I think Fuji's now hired maybe 70 or 80 people that have come out of school at A&M 
and other people, and they uh, geared up and hired almost 220 people for this program. So I think there's a lot of opportunities going forward because as much as I'd like to be really positive, you know, we have COVID-19. We're also planning for COVID-20, COVID-21. You know, we're, we're looking at all kinds of things. I would imagine that there was a lot. I mean, you, you pretty much have been working on COVID-19 related stuff since what, March, February? Yes. And it was just fast and nonstop and busy. And I'm sure you learned a lot in that time period about, hey, these are other things we may want to look into research-wise. These are other things that we want to plan for or work on before the next one, whether it be COVID-2020 or something else. I mean, was there anything that was really interesting to you or other new fields of research or um, anything else that kind of popped up during this process? Well, so, so talking about those companies that we brought in, mm-hmm. um, you know, Zoetis is coming in to, to help work on a specific vaccine for a specific animal disease. Mm-hmm. They've already talked to us about expanding that to another animal disease. I'm not privy to tell you what that yeah. is. Uh, the same thing for uh, Matica. We recognize cell and gene therapy was going to be important long term. A lot of companies are trying to get involved in that. And so partnering with them, they're out of a, they're out of Korea, a Korean company that's building a facility here in Texas to expand their business operations. Uh, there have been there are a lot of issues that have been being worked on in the monoclonal antibody area for cancers and also for COVID, uh, because you know, a vaccine is prophylactic. It's to prevent you from getting it. Whereas a monoclonal antibody is therapeutic. It's once you have it, pretty much it helps cure you or hopefully cure you from the disease you have. So we've been working a lot of areas. Unfortunately, confidentiality prevents me from saying a lot of these, but we have tried to do a lot of partnerships with people at the university. I'm actually in health science. I work for health science and for Texas A&M University system. So we're trying to bring things into health science and diversify them into some key areas. Um, So yes, we, we are looking at those a lot of different areas with computers and some of the technologies have nowadays, you're going to see medicine advance at speeds that we never thought possible, just like the manufacturing we're doing here. If, if somebody were to come to us two or three years ago and said, hey, if you start this in April or May, you'd be ready to start manufacturing product before the end of the year, building out a facility, installing equipment, they'd have said not possible. As the manufacturing and distribution of the vaccine continue to create jobs, there's hope that vaccinations will, along with saving lives, help businesses get back to work and ease the strain on the economy. We spoke with Dr. Venki Shanker, the Director of Research for TAMU's Mays Business School Center for Retailing Studies and the Coleman Chair Professor of Marketing, about what's ahead. He predicts that while the vaccine's impact on the economy will be positive, those temporary changes we made in how we work learn and consume could take hold long term. As the vaccine gets rolled out and more, and more consumers get access to the vaccines, uh, the economic uh, impact will be more positive as you move on. But more importantly, the vaccine is expected to save a lot of lives, and that is going to be a very important game changer. Has Have there been any specific industries here in Texas or nationwide that you've seen that have been particularly impacted that might do better once the vaccine's rolled out? Sure. A lot of uh, small and medium scale businesses will be the first big beneficiaries of this. As you know, we, the nationwide 160,000 small and medium sized businesses had to close down. About 60% of them will never 
be able to reopen given all the economic hardships. So this, those would be the primary beneficiary. Of course, uh, industries such as travel, um, uh, restaurants, uh, bars, um, uh, small retail shops, uh, anything that was uh, mass uh, spectators uh, events, uh, including theaters, these would be uh, immediate benef beneficiaries once we start to get more vaccinations up and get closer to herd immunity. From a marketing perspective, maybe not related just to the vaccine, but coronavirus in general, have there been any trends that you've seen or any big changes that you've seen in the way that businesses are marketing to customers? Absolutely a dramatic change because COVID-19 has accelerated the move to a digital marketing and digital business. And what we have seen uh, remarkably in the last nine months uh, is was what was predicted to happen in five years or more. And so more and more businesses, including retail business, have shifted uh, very rapidly online. So now we are all ordering from the click of our uh, device, uh, you know, buy online, pick up in store, curbside pickup. We also are getting food and other items delivered home. All businesses have rapidly um, adjusted to that. And it's not just in retail. We're talking about uh, online education, uh, which is uh, expanded rapidly, even telehealth in healthcare. So a lot of businesses work from home. We have about 250 million people working out from home, much more so than was anticipated worldwide. So there's been a lot of shift in marketing, especially towards digital marketing. I know you mentioned some of those changes we expected to be maybe five years down the road, and so they've accelerated as a result. So while the vaccine might bring more people back into physical spaces, do we expect that maybe we'll continue to still see these work trends or these marketing or business trends? Sure. There's going to be a hybrid work uh, situation even after we get through this pandemic, uh, everybody completely vaccinated and protected. Because we have now experienced gains from working out from home, and most of the tech companies are telling their employees to work out of home till way into the second half of 2021. So we are going to see new normals where people match the comfort of uh, the convenience of working from home, plus all the benefits that you can get from being in physical spaces. But uh, I think we should expect uh, that uh, digital should be taking over very, very massively as we move forward. Is there anything else that you think is important or interesting for people to understand? I think the most important uh, thing that people have to understand as consumers and as citizens is the uh, need to get vaccinated and so that for their own benefit, for as well as the society's benefit and the economy's benefit, um, these are the uh, uh, accelerating events or catalyst events for them to get back to normal. And uh, fortunately, we have uh, the United States has a good plan of distributing vaccines, even though we need a lot of them in supply. Um, but as soon as the vaccines are made available to different uh, sets of populations, people will have to start taking that for this uh, economy to rebound and be brought back to normal. This was Commerce Street, a business podcast from Ken's Five. For more episodes like this one, including how the pandemic has affected manufacturing and retail companies in San Antonio, search for Commerce Street on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Erica Zucco with producer Kristen Dean. Thanks for listening.